What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode number 26 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Brandon Lee Gowden, and we did something a little different for this episode of the pod. We have been experimenting with the Locker Room app, which is a way for us to sort of do a show, but also interact with you live, very much like a sports talk radio show kind of a thing. So we're going to do that more and more this offseason and probably next year as we go along here just to get a little more interactive and try out some new things. So BLG and I did a session last night for about an hour and we took some questions and some of your thoughts and uh, we wanted to make that this week's episode. So that's what we decided to do. Uh, We hope you enjoy it. Again, we remind you to please rate, review and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show to get this show and all our great shows so here is this week's episode, the Locker Room Oddcast, so to speak. There hasn't been a ton of news, but one thing I definitely want to touch on is the J.J. Watt signing. That was clearly the biggest news of the day. Um, but I think that sort of has a lot of tentacles into other stuff. Russell Wilson's situation, the other quarterback situation. I know Jane Slater was talking about how the Cowboys find the idea of a Dak for Russell Wilson trade to be laughable, which to me, I don't don't know, laughable seems a little crazy to me, especially because if the Cowboys, I mean, the the only thing laughable is how they've handled the Dak situation. We can get into that. We can get into a whole bunch of stuff. So a lot of good things to talk about as I'm I'm trying to get the link out here. Yeah, I was just going to say to your point on Dak, (laughs) the thing that's laughable is – identifying a franchise quarterback, but then being so unwilling to pay him that you might tag him twice, which really only lends to him wanting to play on the tag or, you know, to playing the season on the tag, because then your the other team's option is to tag him a third time, which seems crazy or uh, enter free agency and then pretty much sign like a record breaking contract with the whole league demanding or having a chance at his services. It's such a weird – like, if you have to tag your quarterback twice, there has been a failure somewhere. Somewhere along the line, things have broken down. It should never – it's different with, like, a running back or a receiver or any other position. But if it's quarterback and that's where you are, something went wrong there, clearly. Well, yeah, it's like, is he your guy or is he not your guy? Like, make a decision. If he's your guy, then sign to a long-term deal. And then move forward with him. It's good for your cap in terms of lowering the cap hit instead of like having to, you know, work around these massive one year franchise tag numbers that are like what, you know, like 30 something million, going to be 40 something million or move on. He's not your guy. Like, don't don't do this halfway thing. Like either either he's your guy, build around him or he's not your guy. Move on and then figure it out. What is that line from Breaking Bad? No half measures, right? Isn't no that what measures. Airman Shroud says? That's like that's it. Like, especially with your quarterback. Like it's so and that's the crazy thing. Like Jerry Jones has paid Ezekiel Elliott. He's paid Amari Cooper. He's paid Demarcus Lawrence. All these other positions that aren't nearly as important as quarterback. And yet, from the beginning, 
Jerry has never fully embraced Dak Prescott. He didn't want Dak Prescott. He wanted Paxton Lynch at the time. And I just think that there has never fully been an effort by Jerry Jones to put his arms around Dak Prescott and sort of like let him in the circle of trust, so to speak. And why is that, Stats? The answer to me that I've said on the record before is that deep down, Jerry Jones knows that Dak Prescott, for as good as you might want to paint him out to be, I'm sure as good as RJ Ochoa wants to paint him out to be, (laughs) is a quarterback who I think ultimately you win with more than you win because of. Now, obviously, I think Dak has gotten better and better. And last year, you know, they were doing great, or the offense was at least before, you know, he got hurt. But the injury is a factor. Like, is he going to be the same player uh, after, you know, the injury? Is he going to have the same amount of success um, if they can't continue to surround him with all the talent that they've had in terms of offensive line, in terms of these receivers who are eventually going to have to get paid, in terms of Zeke, who is going to probably fall off a cliff at some point here after taking, like, a zillion touches in his first (laughs) whatever many years here. Like, I I just think – like he's not going to be a guy who carries you to ultimate success in spite of everything. So like, okay, so there's a couple of different things that you mentioned that I think we should react to. So there's the injury component, which is true. You're not sure how he's going to come back, and that's part of it. But like you said, if the Cowboys truly decided that Dak is a quarterback that you win with rather than you win because of, then what are they doing? Then cut bait and let's go. Like, there's no need to then just keep him around. Once you've made the determination that he's not that special guy, get rid of him and try and get that special guy. But the fact that they keep doing this dance and kicking the can down the road doesn't make sense to me. I think he would be a fool, and I don't think Dak Prescott is a fool, if he would cave. Like, to, to cave at this point, why would you wait this long? You know, right. like, what, Because like, you, you play on the tag this year, I don't care about the injury. The injury thing shouldn't matter to him. Like, it shouldn't be a huge factor. He should be like, I'm going to bet on myself. I had this one bad injury. Before that, I hadn't missed a single game my entire career. I'm going to be fine. And, you know, even if things go crazy injury-wise, he still has, like, endorsements and whatnot to kind of fall back on if, you know, very, very worst-case scenario there. So there's just no reason to me, for him to cave at this point, he should, do, he should be doing everything he can to get to free agency because look how it paid off for Kirk Cousins. He signed the first fully guaranteed uh, contract in terms of especially quarterback contract in NFL history. Like, that's crazy. Like, I think there's that kind of potential there for Dak. If he got to the open market, like, I don't know if he can beat the Mahomes deal because that's such like a, almost an outlier of a deal. But, I mean, maybe, maybe he can because there's – think about it. A quarterback at that age with that production on the open market, like, that hasn't been seen before. Like, someone who's available that any team can just sign, there's going to be an incredible amount of suitors for that player. I completely agree with you. Once you've gotten to this point to be 16 or, I guess, according to Peter King as of today, likely 17 games away – from hitting that unprecedented open market, there's absolutely no reason to sign. Even if you say, 
I 100 percent want to get I want to play for the Cowboys. That's the only team I want to play for. And there's not like even if you get to that point, you can still hit free agency and sign with the Cowboys. So there's just no reason to sign a long term contract. And I agree. We've never seen it before. This is totally different than Kirk Cousins, because I think it's universally acknowledged that Dak is better than Kirk Cousins. And Cousins got, what was it, $84 million, I believe, fully guaranteed. So, I mean, Dak mm-hmm. would, would eclipse that by far. And, and, and make no mistake, BLG, there are players watching this scenario. More importantly, there are agents watching this scenario. Because if it works, I feel like you're going to start to see these quarterbacks play through the tag years and hit the open market. Because once they see how much money Dak Prescott will get if he gets there, that's going to redefine how all these negotiations are done. Stats, I like how we did not even have Dak Prescott on the, the show sheet, but here we are talking about it. What else do we have here tonight? Well, the biggest news of the day was the J.J. Watt story. He is signed with the Cardinals, and we know this because Watt himself tweeted out a picture of him working out. Of course, he has to always be working out, and he's wearing a Cardinals shirt. Um, I have to say, I was pretty stunned by the whole thing. I did not see the Cardinals coming. It, it to me, raises a, a bunch of different questions, the first of which is the thinking for him from everybody was if J.J. Watt leaves the Texans, he's going to go because he wants to chase a ring, right? He's going to maybe go to Tampa Bay, maybe Kansas City, something like that. And instead, he signs with the Arizona Cardinals, who, maybe I'm biased, they're the fourth best team in their division. Stats, I uh, really need to get your take on this in terms of so you're not so you're not scared of the Cardinals then. You you think no. <laughs> you made this mistake last year when I told you the 49ers were gonna finish last in the NFC West and they did, right? That did happen. Um and that if, if you didn't know, of course everyone's uh 49ers fan here, stats that he is. Um anyway, the Cardinals, you know, stats as as you well know, as the listeners well know were my team to kind of be like on the rise this season. I thought they could make the leap a little bit sooner than expected. I thought they could be the 2017 Eagles, you know, this team that had this second-year quarterback make this huge leap. I think we saw some MVP talk early on heading into last season for Kyler Murray, some of the hype, you know, thinking that could be possible. Didn't really happen. And I think that's still a huge concern with me, with the Cardinals, is that Kyler Murray, obviously very talented, um, they're going to be a good team. I still, I mean, this isn't going to be a losing a team with a losing record. I don't think. Just when you look at the talent they have there, now you're getting JJ Watt. But it is a tough division. Uh, I still think you know the biggest thing that's holding them back is you know Kyler has to get better with his arm. Like that's you can add JJ Watt. That's fine. You have this great roster around him. But you know ultimately, if Kyler's not doing more damage with his arm, I mean that caps this team's ceiling. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Look, I don't, I don't know how good they are. They were 8-8 eight and eight last year, and the only reason they don't have a losing record is because DeAndre Hopkins caught that Hail Mary against Buffalo. Like, that's it. Otherwise, they're a losing team. I'm not threatened by the Cardinals. As long as Cliff Kingsbury is there, I'm sorry. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury knows a darn thing about defense. He couldn't win at Texas Tech. He's not winning in the NFL. He just, what does he do that is so spectacular? In the game that, that Arizona had to have, to make the playoffs at the end of the season, I think they scored like 12 points or 15 points. He's supposed to be the offensive wizard, and he clearly has a talented quarterback in, in Kyler Murray, and you, that's all you can muster? Like, I'm sorry. I am off the Cardinals. They are. They have to show me. Show me something before I believe. I'm never going to put faith in them until then. 
I think part of the, the mistake in thinking they were closer where they were was the quality of their roster. And I think, you know, for all of Steve Kimes' faults and, and regards, um, I think, you know, they have done well at times in, in personnel. I mean, obviously you look at, uh, you know, the Hopkins deal. You look at um, how they kind of pivoted, I think, nicely um, from from Rosen. They, I mean, they got a second-round pick and a fifth for, for Josh Rosen, who – you know, but has done nothing since, and now what on the Forty Niners? Um, yeah, yes. So, so, so they at least like I think Kime has some level of of trust, and I think where the the Cardinals were in their rebuild, I think you could you could sell me on the idea that you know they weren't all in last year fully, and they still might have been a year away. They might have been where the Forty Niners were stats um, before they you know they made the run to the Super Bowl. I remember you know the year before they made that run. There was a lot of hype about the 49ers. They're like, all right, they're the team. They're on the rise. This is the year. But they weren't. And obviously, Jimmy G getting hurt didn't help in there. But I still think the roster even was a year away still. And I think that's the Cardinals. That's where they might be. So maybe you're getting J.J. Watt. You're adding more talent in here. I agree with you. I've never been a big Cliff Kingsbury guy. Uh, so, so that part of it, I still am skeptical. But I think that they're still building this roster. And who have they really lost? Have they really lost anyone? Like, are they losing key foundational pieces? They're still building that thing out there. And I will say, I think that the the process here, the decision-making is sound. If you think J.J. Watt is still a very, very good pass rusher, which I think he's still a good player, you know, he's not getting double-teamed in Arizona because Chandler Jones is going to be the guy drawing all the double-teams. And I think I heard a stat that Watt was the most double-teamed defensive lineman in the entire league last year, which I think he was doubled like 30% of the time. Which, of course, you know, in Houston, he was clearly the best pass rusher they had. So I understand why that would be. But he's going to be in a situation for maybe the first time since his, what, rookie year where he's not going to be the guy drawing all the coverage in terms of the blocking from the offensive line. So he's in a good position to succeed. And I think that 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 makes sense if you're the Cardinals on defense. I could sort of see the plan there, which if you're an Arizona fan, you know, you like that process. Uh, Yeah. So what else do we have besides the cards here, stats? So we've got the cards. Um, I, I think that if Jay, uh, excuse me, Russell Wilson was complaining about, you know, taking too many sacks and now he's got uh, J.J. Watt in his division, that's got to make him feel good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Pete Sweeney said it best. It's like it certainly doesn't give Russell Wilson another reason to stay. <laughs> it's not like, oh, yeah, uh, I totally want to be here now. It changed my mind. Um, I think the Russ thing – you know, we saw the article last week from the Athletic. It's so clear to me, and I've been saying this that it's just it doesn't feel right. Maybe they make it work for one more year. I just don't see it going, you know, that further beyond that. Um, you know, I'm looking at Mike Forio, you know, your buddy here, stats talking to uh, Rich Eisen today, and you know his takeaway from all that. And it seemed like he almost shifted a little bit in terms of thinking, like, yeah, this is just is not going to work out. This marriage is not built for the long term. Uh, I just don't see it. And I think it was interesting today with Peter King coming out in his football morning in America column that like, he kind of went through why the bears who we all laughed at when they were mentioned as a, a Russell Wilson trade preference could make more sense than, uh, people think. And I guess it had to do with the relationship with Jimmy Graham, which is something I didn't think about kind of a trust factor there. It had to do with, and I think Florio mentioned this, uh, like wanting to work 
in an Andy Reid kind of system. Like he's seeing, you know, Russell Wilson is seeing Patrick Mahomes' success, and he's thinking, okay, I need to get with an Andy Reid guy, especially, you know, having to work with Pete Carroll and and very much not an Andy Reid guy in terms of passing the ball. Now, <laughs> Matt Nagy is a far cry from an Andy Reid uh, in himself, clearly, to me at least. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, so I think there there is motivation for Russ to get out there. I still don't think the Bears make sense in terms of Nagy and Pace could be gone in a year. If things go awry, and then that's a bad situation to enter. But, yeah, I just think Seattle is – Russ is not long for Seattle. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I totally agree with you, and one thing I saw from Michael Robinson, who used to play with Russ in Seattle... Um, and he brought up a good point. I think he tweeted this because people were kind of trying to poo-poo the idea that he was going to get traded. And he brought up, like, Russ just spent part of this offseason basically throwing his offensive line under the bus, saying, I get hit too much, I don't like this. And let's say they, that this, for whatever reason Seattle doesn't trade him. Now Russell Wilson's got to walk back into that locker room where he was just bashing his entire offensive line, like, I don't know how you do that. That's going to be pretty awkward. I, I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I think that Russell Wilson is going to get traded this offseason. I just he did, it's so different from him what he's done this year as opposed to any other year. He went from go Hawks guy his whole career. Now this year he's specifically calling out his offensive line. There's rumblings about his relationship with Pete Carroll, and he doesn't think that Pete Carroll answers to anybody. You don't have this big of a shift, and then just welcome him back and play the season out like like nothing ever happened like that just seems like it's not possible to me how do you have the leader of your team the quarterback like not be all in like how do you do that how do you like who what team has that like you can think of um you know like maybe a team that might have a disgruntled wide receiver that happens all the time feels like but when do you ever see a team where the quarterback like isn't all in on this thing and clearly really he wants out 
I just don't see how it's tenable. And that was a big thing with Carson Wentz. You know, we go back to the Eagles talking about that situation. Like, I just don't see how the Eagles could really bring Carson Wentz back and how that would be a healthy environment. Now, you know, Seattle doesn't have like a backup ready to take his job. So you don't have that quite of an awkward dynamic in-house already, um, which certainly added to the complications in Philly. But still, point being, I don't know how you have that dynamic where your leader of your team is like not all in and not all invested. And like, I, that just feels like such a strange thing to, to parse through. It feels like that's such like a recipe for disaster, like, like a disaster kind of season stats. As you know, the Seahawks haven't had a losing season with Russell Wilson. I think they've only won double digit time or one double digit games fewer than, or only once. I think, I think there was like one season where they went like nine and seven, like, they win every year. <laughs> and I just don't – I think th- that would be like the, the Seahawks season that finally goes bad. We're like, Russ doesn't want to be there. I, I think it's the, just it's time to move on. And that'd be – that's an interesting angle to all this. By the way, just in case you're wondering, the Seahawks do play the Bears in 2021 if Russ ended up going there. So that'd be a fun thing. But, you know, they've got some tough games. they got to play the Titans. they got to play the Saints. Obviously, all the division games, the Packers, the Vikings are tough. I mean – Let's say that Russ does come back, and if things do start to go sort of off the rails early, and like you said, then Russ is like, get me out of here. Like, what, do they move him at the deadline? Like, could you even do that? I I totally agree. It's a weird situation. I don't like it. I think Russ is trying to have his cake and eat it too by saying, well, I'm not requesting a trade, but here are the four teams I would go to. Like, you can't have that both ways. You can't be a little bit pregnant, Russ. Like, you either are or you aren't. Once the four teams get out there from your camp, that's it. You want out. Whether you say to trade demand or not, like, that, it's over. Yeah, I – it's always – it goes back to, to me, this mindset that, like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden there's, like, a turning point, and you see, like, oh, actually this is going to happen. And maybe some people don't even believe it until it finally goes through. But – um, yeah, I, I just don't see it working out. I think that's really kind of applies to almost every situation here. Like the Texans can hold firm as much as they want and say, we're not trading Deshaun Watson. I mean, eventually like push is going to sh- come to shove and you're going to have to do it. You just, you just are like, what are you going to do? And I don't know, maybe Watson isn't so steadfast that he's going to like hold out of games or whatever, but maybe he will. <laughs> like if he really wants out that, that badly, uh, I don't think either side wants it to come to that. And I think ultimately it won't because uh, there's too much to lose there for both sides. And at some point, a team just has to cut their loss and realize they have to move on. And I think that's what's going to happen in Seattle. I think that's what's going to happen in Houston. Yeah, Houston needs to just accept that it's over. Like, I don't think he's budging. He met with a new coach and flat out told him, I have no intention of playing for you. I I can't think there's only one example in my entire memory when it comes to sports, of a superstar player saying publicly that they want out and not getting traded. And the only one I could think of is I remember Kobe did it years ago. He went on the radio, I think it was the Stephen A. Smith show, and said, I want to be traded. And the reason it sticks out in my head is because I can always remember Stephen A. Smith saying, are you saying on this program that you want to be traded? And Kobe says, yeah, I would like to be traded, yeah. And, of course, they didn't trade him. They ended up winning more championships after that. But that's literally the only time I can think of ever where a superstar said, I want out, and didn't ultimately end up getting traded. 
and worked out. The patience paid <laughs> off, right? <laughs> Bro, yeah, you could argue that, yeah. Um, but I, I don't. I just don't think that's as realistic, you know, in the NFL and and just in today's climate. I just don't. I mean, maybe maybe I'm being naive, and or maybe I'm not having enough faith. Maybe there. I can't. I just can't think of a situation that gets in my head. Like, what's the precedent for a team that like holds on to a player? And it really does work out. You know, you just mentioned it with, with Kobe there, but I'm talking about, you know, obviously more so recently. And then in the NFL, like I'm racking my brain and I don't know, it's, it's kind of tough to think of that example, especially a quarterback. Like I just, I can't see that. Like I can't see a guy who is so critical to the whole culture, the environment who sets the tone, especially in Russ's case, like you said, this is Mr. Go Hawks we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. like what's he going to do after his press conferences now? Say like nothing or be like, <laughs> No hawks, like, some, <laughs> like, like something uh, alludes to you once out. I don't know, just or, or just not saying at all. Even that will be like strange. Like it's like maybe he just he stands there and uh, just looks at the the press corps in silence for a little bit to like make it known like there's like a gap. I don't know. Maybe he goes Marshawn. I'm just here so I don't get fined. You never know. Oh he can, man, he's got precedent for that. By the way, I see you're having some side conversations in the chat here on Locker Room, which, you know, makes me feel great. Like, you're really paying attention to what I'm saying. If, but if people do have questions, you know, feel free. We'd love to actually speak with you. That's kind of the point of this whole thing. So feel free, you know, request to chat, and we'll, we'll, we'll chat. No big whoop. We have a question here from uh, Jake Radabi. Rabadi, sorry. Jake Rabadi in the chat asking me, BLG, who do I think the Eagles will show interest to in free agency or have been rumored to have interest? Well, actually, this brings me up to a point uh, to something that was rumored today, Stats. Um, an NFL source, and this is in an, an ad- or article from the Athletics' Ben Standig, uh, said the Eagles are a team to keep an eye on when it comes to one Marcus Mariota from the Las mm. Vegas Raiders. Now, I had kind of kicked around this idea on BGN Radio last week with Jimmy Kempsey, not because I want it to happen and because I think it makes sense, because I don't <laughs> I don't want Marcus Mariota on this team. You're talking about a quarterback here who has a 29-32 and 32 starting record, a quarterback who the obviously the offense got better in Tennessee when he was replaced by Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> and, and a career passer rating of 89.5. So uh, stats – Marcus Mariota was once the prince that was promised in Philly uh, back when Chip Kelly was head coach, and I was all in on the Eagles trying to get him. But much has changed since then, and I, I think for a team that is retooling like the Eagles, I don't know what Marcus Mariota, who turns 20 this year, really does for them. Like maybe he's better than Jalen Hurts this year, but that doesn't really matter because this team is—it's not about like trying to win anything significant this year. It's about building this thing for the long term. And now I will say that it's a little interesting wrinkle to this and maybe where this is coming from is that uh, the Eagles actually have Marcus Mariota's former offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach on their staff in their, he's their tight ends coach. Now his name is Jason Michael. So there's a connection there, but I just don't see it in terms of a logical fit. Um, I agree that. Where are you in Mariota in general? I don't think Mariota is great. Here's the thing I, I would like to see with him, just to like be sure before I kind of close that book. I heard somebody say, and I can't remember who it is, and now I'm mad at myself because I can't remember, but they said, well, you can, you can play with Marcus Mariota. You just have to play in a system like Oregon did. But the fear is if you do that, he's going to get hurt. 
which doesn't make sense to me because we've seen who Marcus Mariota is when he's not playing like he did at Oregon, and it's not very good, as you very clearly just pointed out. So why not try to implement that kind of a system and see what you've got there? If he gets hurt, so what? Because if that's his only path to succeed, there's no reason to play in any other kind of offense because we've seen that movie before. So if you're going to go with him, then go all in and, and kind of do what Baltimore has done with Lamar Jackson, completely tailor the system to him and then see what's there. And maybe, it, you know, maybe it's great. Maybe he kind of fulfills the promise we thought he was going to have when he was drafted number two overall. I think Mariota makes more sense for a team like Washington who, you know, they're stuck in terms of potentially not being able to draft one and they kind of almost need to do anything they can to figure it out. And it, it makes more sense for them to try to take a flyer maybe and, take a shot and maybe, you know, he defies expectation and he revives his career. I just think it's more, and they, and they need a quarterback obviously in Washington, like, and they're trying to win this year because they have a defense that can help them do that. Um, Question from Justin Bob stats Uh, is Chris Godwin destined to get tagged now that he said he's open to it. And he's asking obviously for the sake of the chiefs. Oh yeah, that's great. Cause the chiefs aren't good enough. Justin. They really need to add, Chris Godwin to a lineup that's absolutely stacked. Uh, I don't know how the, what the Chiefs cap situation is off the top of my head, but, I mean, if you're asking me should they try and get him, I mean, of course. He's one of the best receivers in the league. You pair him with Patrick Mahomes. That's only going to make that offense more deadly. I do think that the Chiefs are going to have to eventually kind of start the transition. I think that the core that they have of Mahomes, Hill, and Travis Kelsey, I don't know how many more years they're going to get out of that. So if they could bring in a Godwin who's still very, very young, he could sort of, you know, lead that transition because they're going to have to eventually make that sort of a move. I think with Godwin, um, really just the Bucks as a whole, like they're they're trying to run this back, right? Like they're really trying to, especially you know Brady's age, like they they figure like this is their window. They have to, and and to your point, stats. When we were doing our uh, bold offseason predictions, you said you think you're going to see more super teams this year. And I think, you know, that includes the Bucks in terms of trying to keep what they have together. So uh, I could see it. I could see uh, them trying to keep it together for one more year, one more run, at least. In, and why not? You know, because, you know, they, they had the success. And I don't think it's quite at the point, too, for him, especially Godwin, where like he has to rush out because he plays this season on the tag. It's a very nice number to be playing on the franchise tag. And then he's like, all right, I can test the market next year because either you know we'll have this second Super Bowl and I'll still be desirable as ever. I mean, he's only 24, so he's going to be 25 entering next offseason. Like, he's still going to be super desirable. There might be even more of a market for him, if that's even possible, uh, You know, coming off in theory and hopeful and in, in his hope in his mind, you know, a second Super Bowl title, obviously not going to happen actually. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I could see him playing on the tech. I think that a lot of guys are going to have the thought that let me go and ball out this year and do everything I can and try and get my ring. And, you know, I don't mind, like you said, the franchise tag for this year specifically, it's not the end of the world because the cap is going down in 2022 when the cap jumps back up again, like, I think last year's salary cap was like, what, $198 million, something like that, and it's going to be 185 this year? Like, that is a huge drop. When it jumps back up in 2022, it's going to go way up, and teams are going to have a ton of money to spend. 
And I think you're going to see a lot of teams be really aggressive. And I think a lot of players, definitely, definitely a lot of agents are telling them that. So just bide your time for one more year, and then you really cash in in 2022. Do we have anyone in the chat that wants to join on stage? Because we haven't had anyone up on the audio side yet. And if not, it's cool. I don't want to force anyone. But if anyone does, I just want to make it clear. If we didn't state it from the beginning, that uh, you know, people are welcome to join in to audio. Um, what else do we have on here, Stats, in the meantime? Well, you mentioned the Washington quarterback situation. And I saw it was interesting. It came out today that Alex Smith is going – they're going to part ways, which, by the way, anyone that read that interview he gave with GQ could pretty much have uh, figured that out where he said flat out, the team didn't want me. They didn't want me around. They didn't want me to be part of it. Like once he says that, that was the end of his relationship with the Washington football team. And the other thing he said, by the way, he was told about, oh, they're going to change the name. And the Washington football team sounds kind of weird. And he laughed and said, well, it's better to sound kind of weird than to sound like a racist. So you know that the Washington <laughs> football team is going to keep him around after that comment. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy that, uh, you know, Alex, I mean, it is crazy. What am I saying? It's, kinda, it's, it's insane that, you know, Alex Smith made it all the way back to actually play last season. And then that he was even playing by the end of the year. I mean, I think back to the, the you know the Week 17 Eagles game, which is obviously a national disgrace. It was <laughs> the biggest tragedy the country has ever seen. Um, where like he could barely move out there, man. And and I think it was totally reasonable then for Washington to go with uh, Taylor Henneke, you know, former XFL backup, because Alex Smith couldn't even move. So now I think Smith had kind of looked a little bit better earlier on. I think he got like kind of hurt again. There was a whole weird thing he had going on with his leg still, um, you know, kind of getting injured again. Um, so maybe there's an awful off season. He can get healthy. He can kind of get back to being, you know, obviously not where he was pre-major injury. And you know, that player is gone. But maybe he's functional still yet. And obviously, just wasn't going to be an answer in Washington. They need to move on from him, <laughs> and he clearly wanted out. Uh, where does Alex Smith end up now? Stats? Do you have any idea? I don't know, because like you said, I mean, I think all of us collectively, every time he went back to pass last year, like <gasps> we're all holding our breath because we're just so nervous for the guy because we know everything that he went through. I mean, you certainly can't count on that guy to be your starter, right? Like no one's going to hand him a starting job. And I, I just think teams are going to say he's going to be 37 years old. He's got a, obviously a high injury risk. We love him, but... He's, he can't play for our team, I think, is going to be the general reaction. I almost – I don't know if he'd be interested in it, but I would love to hire Alex Smith as, like, a quarterback's coach. I think he would be phenomenal. He's learned pretty much every system under the sun. Uh, we've seen clearly he can be a good mentor. He was a good mentor to Colin Kaepernick in 2012 when he took over and to Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Mahomes has specifically credited him multiple times with helping to sort of – ease that transition into the NFL game. So I, I would love it if you could hire him in that capacity. But as an actual player, he doesn't give you enough to justify it, in my opinion. And then as far as Washington goes at quarterback, I always feel like they've been left out of the quarterback conversation in some way. You know, we talk about the big names. We talk about um, Deshaun Watson. I see you know Marcus Erickson in the chat here is talking about Washington taking a shot at Watson's stats. That would be a nightmare to me I'm coming into the division with that defense too. Like, please, no, please do not let that happen. Um, that would be really scary. Uh, but 
you know, they're in that tough spot, like I said, when I was talking about them as a potential uh, suitor for Mariota. And apparently, according to that athletic article I cited earlier, they, they kind of like showed interest in trading for him, but then they kind of backed off and cooled off. It's possible that the Raiders might just cut Mariota because they save, I think, $11.3 million. And they're like seven point seven over the cap right now, so they might just have to they might just have to cut him. Might just be in that spot. Um, so I think what Washington should do at quarterback, though, and I guess this has been put out there, is I mean I would take a hard look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, that's not an ideal long term solution, obviously, but if you're talking about a guy who can get hot, and I think I like Fitzpatrick a little bit more than you do here, stats, but you're talking about a guy who can get hot and doesn't have to necessarily carry the team with that defense that they have. I mean, I think they can compete in you know this season with him, certainly in a week NFC East. And I don't really love the other options that are being put out there as much. Like I, I think I'd rather have Fitzpatrick than Mariota. I'd rather have Fitzpatrick than Cam Newton at this point, a Cam Newton that looked cooked last year. Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy at all. Um, I have zero faith in Washington to draft a quarterback and, and go about it that way because Daniel Snyder is just too involved in that. And every time he gets involved, they screw it up. He forced them to take RG3 when nobody in the organization wanted them. He took RG3. We saw how that worked out. It didn't ultimately work out. RG3 never got along with the coaches. It was a disaster. Then Dwayne Haskins, they take Dwayne Haskins. And where's Dwayne Haskins now? He's on the Steelers. What, like two years into his NFL career? I mean, like it is they, – they can't do it, right? They, they cannot go that route. But if you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, experienced guy, like you said, he's definitely streaky. But Ron Rivera is an adult. They finally have an adult in the room in Washington as a head coach. The defense is really good, like you said. And they bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean – is that the best quarterback in the division? <laughs> well, are you assuming Dak stays? <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot about Dak. That's true. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Dak's not there at this point. But like, so okay. At worst, he's the second best quarterback in the division, and he's not coming off major ankle surgery either. Like, mm-hmm. you could do a lot worse if you're Washington. That's for sure. And I could see them making the playoffs next season with Fitz at quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, well, if they did. Well, if they won the division, they'd be the first team in the NFC's to repeat as division winner since 2004 stats. So history, yeah. right? I know, really just crazy. Um, Cliff Bryce weighing in here saying with Ryan Fitzpatrick, he thinks they win the game last year. Win the game last year. I think they win the game last year. Um, Winston and Washington brought up by Marcus Erickson. Um, I know you're not a Jameis guy, stats. No. Uh, no, Pete, no. what is this Pete Sweeney, by the way? Not to take a shot at Pete, um, who, you know, you I'll, just I'll really, take a shot at Pete. Well, clearly you did last week, and he, uh, he felt bad about it, but uh, or he felt some kind of way about it, I should say. You don't. You clearly did not feel bad about it. Um, but what is this with Pete? I was listening to, you know, Monday Football Monday, as I uh, obligatory have to mention here. Uh, and he's talking about, like, okay, Drew Brees retires. He kind of wants to see Jameis Winston. In, in like New Orleans, like what? No, like really? Like I mean, I would like to see that in terms of not wanting the Saints to do well. But if we're talking about like you know what's best for the league and everything, and what's best for entertainment, uh, well then then again, actually that might be best for entertainment. <laughs> but if we're talking about if we're you know taking off our uh, anti-Saints uh, bias here and trying to do what's best for them, like no, I don't I don't want to see. Uh, I don't want to see Winston start replacing Drew Brees. And I do think Brees is still gone, by the way. I don't, I don't think he's coming back. 
it's funny. You know, everyone saw that workout video with Breeze where he's pushing the sled of weights and people are like, oh, Drew Breeze is going through a killer workout. He must be coming back. And I've got people texting me be like, dude, just because you push a sled doesn't mean you're in some sort of crazy hyped up workout. Like, I I think everybody needs to calm down. I agree with you. I think Breeze is going to walk away. You don't do – remember after the game – when he and Tom Brady had that whole like powwow on the field and they're mm-hmm. throwing passes to the kids, like you don't do that if you're coming back. I just I think he's definitely gone. But as for the Jameis thing, like I don't get it. Every coach Jameis Winston has ever had has said, if I could just get him to stop throwing so many interceptions, he could be great. Well, guess what? He can't stop throwing all those interceptions. He's just he can't do it. He's not capable of it. If he was. He would have done it by now. Show me the guy in the history of the league that's thrown the amount of interceptions that Jameis Winston has so far in his career and then all of a sudden somehow saw the light and turned it around and went on to become a a very productive quarterback. Like, that person doesn't exist. So unless you think Jameis Winston is going to do something that nobody else in the history of the NFL has ever done, I don't know how you could want him to be your starter. Well, it's the fumbles, too. I mean, the fumble numbers are like right. just as bad, if not worse. Like, and that's that's something I, that is very near and dear to my heart. Stats. So seeing that was Carson Wentz, and I, there was a point during the uh, season, this past season, a little flex here for me, getting to ask yeah. the question of Carson Wentz <laughs> in the post game presser, and I'm like, I, I forget what the number was exactly at the time, but I brought up the number to him. It was something like I don't know. 50-something and whatever many games. He ended up with 59 and 69 games. Um, Jeez. Yeah, pretty bad. And I was like, first of all, are you aware of that number? And second of all, like, what gives you faith that you can fix that? And he said to me, he's like, yes, I am now aware of that number. He just said (laughs) it to me. And, uh, you know, then you just, you know, what can you really say at that point? Like, just meaningless platitude about how it's going to get better? Like, at, at some point, you are what you are. We know Jameis is a turnover machine. If you want him to to bring him in because you have nothing at quarterback and you want to have him compete for the job, I mean, I just don't think he's going to win. Could you do worse with a backup quarterback? I think you can. I think you don't think that necessarily. I think you can just in terms of, you know, we've seen some truly terrible quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks. Um, Jameis at least has highs. He has a lot of lows too, but he does in theory have highs. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think – uh, I don't think Jameis is an answer. We have this from Julian Cantor in the chat stats. What about Dak Prescott to the Saints? Man, I would not like to see that as a, as a guy who covers and roots for a team in the NFC. You, know, you put a good quarterback with a good coach and Sean Payton, and that, that's an obstacle that my team is going to eventually have to overcome. Here's the problem. How do the Saints do it? What mm-hmm. wizardry are they going to pull off when they're $100 million over the cap? And now they're going to bring in Dak Prescott, who's, what, potentially going to be on the franchise tag? Or even if he's not, I mean, what's he going to play for the league minimum in this year? Like, (laughs) I'm just not sure how that would work. But if they could ever pull it off, it would be incredible for the Saints. They should absolutely do it. I just don't know the mechanics of that because what would Dallas be getting back in return? And Hmm. it's a cool idea, but I'm not sure it works in, in real life. What else do we have here, stats? So... Oh, let me just check that chat really quickly. Okay. So the other thing I noticed was, speaking of uh, quarterback situations, David Carr works for the NFL Network. And he had an article on NFL.com about how if, if the Raiders, if Russell Wilson really wanted to go to the Raiders, that the Raiders should trade for him immediately. 
I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of the, oh, yesterday, he said, they should trade for him yesterday. And it was kind of weird because it's like, dude, doesn't your brother play quarterback for the Raiders? And it just got me thinking, like, you know, we talk about Marcus Mariota and where he might go. What about Carr? To me, if you're a team looking for a quarterback, you can't just look at who the media says might be available, right? Stafford, Watson, even Russ. Like, you got to look at all the other teams and potentially try and make a move. Because I don't know about you, BLG, but I'm of the opinion everybody is available for the right price. So if you identify a guy that you want, if you think Carr is your guy, you're telling me there's no deal you could propose to John Gruden to get it done? I hate to take another shot at Pete here, um, but he, he did bring up uh, on yesterday's podcast, he was like, how are the Raiders ever going to, to, to beat you know, the Chiefs or the Chargers? Uh, you know, if they're sticking with Derek Carr. I mean, the, the, the they Raiders. They beat the Chiefs last year. What's he talking <laughs> they did about? It, they did it last year. They had a chance to sweep them. You know, they were competitive in that second game, too. Like, they had, a, they had a real opportunity to, like, sweep the Chiefs last year. But, I mean, his point isn't wrong, though, in terms of, like, Carr not being good enough. I think Carr is, like, one of the guys where, like, you don't want to be in the NFL. It's such a weird way to think about it in terms of like ideally in a perfect world like you want a better quarterback than a bad quarterback but if you had a bad quarterback and you weren't saddled to him you might have a better path to get a really really good one who can actually help you win something as opposed to Derek Carr who clearly I think caps the Raiders ceiling he's one of those quarterbacks so um it's a it's a weird situation I think he Stats you've talked about before if I'm not mistaken about how doesn't Derek Carr like live next to John Gruden or something Yes, they're actual next-door neighbors in Vegas. <laughs> so uh, that's always weird. Um, and, I mean, they're clearly not giving, you know, there's no thought to, like, giving Mariota a shot at the job. Like, he's going to be gone. Pretty looks like if it is trade or cut or whatever. Um, it seemed like that was going to be an interesting dynamic last year. I think there was thought, like, oh, you know, maybe if, you know, Carr falters, uh, they, they bring in. Um, Mariota and he's kind of he, maybe he tan maybe then Mariota becomes the Tannehill and all of a sudden Derek Carr is the next Mar- Marcus Mariota. Um, we have a request here stats um, for someone to come on stage. It is all right, David Rose. Uh, I don't know if he's any r- relation to Johnny Rose from uh, you know Shit's Creek here, but we'll see. Uh, getting him up. What's going on, David? Uh, thanks again. No relation. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm actually calling because I'm I'm really intrigued by the conversation that's going on when you're talking about quarterbacks and free agency I hear a lot of uh, conversation going on about talent versus coachability when you're looking at free agent Mm -hmm. quarterbacks and I think there are a lot of quarterbacks that have a lot of talent but have, have proved not to be particularly coachable and one of the things that I think goes a long way in terms of who has the football IQ to succeed in the NFL has to do with who's able to receive coaching and, you know, get better, which is part of the reason I'm kind of interested in, you know, the developmental quarterbacks that are coming out in the draft. Uh, I'm, I'm excited what what Hurts brings to the table because, you know, one of the things that was always said about him is how coachable he is. Mm-hmm. And now it sounds like we have a coaching staff that's really into, like, teaching and developing players. And I'm excited to see, like, what happens there with the Eagles. And I was interested in some of your viewpoints as well as like, you know, Mm -hmm. a couple of people perhaps in the draft and you're talking about free agency that might be good, you know, developmental people in terms of coachability. I was looking at people like, you know, Trask and Jamie Newman. 
you know, falling into that category. Yeah, I think it's huge. I think like two of the things that I take away from what what went wrong with Carson Wentz, things that like need maybe, maybe even at the risk of being overcorrected, or at least in my mind, is, is what's at top of my mind is coachability for sure. Because I think you know having that talent doesn't matter if you're not going to improve. I think to Josh Allen's credit, you know, for all the issues he had with accuracy, he, he made a, like a huge effort to get better in that regard, and he did this year. And, you know, that obviously went a long way for the Bills' overall success. I think with Carson Wentz, he's been very stubborn, and he didn't improve in terms of, like, accuracy really ever. That didn't really ever get fixed. Or his fumbling numbers, which we just talked about not too long ago. So I think think coachability is huge, can't be overrated. I think it's something that we can kind of scoff at when you see, like, these, you know, these scouts like, oh, this guy, you know, he's super coachable. I mean, obviously you have to have some threshold of talent, um, but think that's huge. And then the other point, oh, accuracy. I just, I think, I, I can't have the Eagles, or if I'm looking for a quarterback for another team, I just, I can't gloss over accuracy. I can't do it. Like the ball at a very basic level, uh, really going to dumb this down. Like you have to put <laughs> the ball where it's supposed to go. It's like in basketball. Like, like when, not to get on Ben Simmons here and make this a total thing about him. He's been playing better recently. But anyway, some of my frustrations with Ben Simmons in the past have been like, He's not putting the ball in the hoop. He's not even trying to do that, which is literally the main objective of the game. Like, do the main objective of the game. Like, put the ball where it needs to be. That is the sport. Um, so what do you Although, got? To, to, extend the better, to extend the similarity, you know, Ben Simmons makes other people better. And you really mm-hmm. notice when he's not playing in a game, you know, what happens to the rest of the team. And a quarterback also has that kind of an impact on – on the game every time they, you know, they're there, you know, they could carry a team on their shoulder. Sure. But it seems like the main job of a quarterback is to make everybody else look great, you know, and, you know, when they, when they succeed in doing that, I, I really think you have a successful team on your hands. I mean, if, if like, uh, if like a, um, if a, if a quarterback is able to, to come into play, who is able to improve and like, you know, take the coaching and then match that with their talent and accuracy. I like, I think that's our secret to succeeding. And I think the quarterbacks that put in the time and the effort and take the coaching and, and, you know, put in the, the homework hours, so to speak, are the ones that elevate their team and make them look better because the coaching, the coaches are going to tell you, Simply, like, BLG just broke it down, right? Like, do the thing that works. And the thing that works is throw the ball to the open guy, regardless of who it is, regardless of (laughs) when it is. And when quarterbacks do that and they throw the ball to the open guys, you put those guys in a position to succeed, and thus it looks like you are elevating the people around you when really you're just doing the easy thing. But I feel like for so many of these quarterbacks, they don't – it's hard to break away from that, like, put it all on my shoulders, do it all myself mindset. And when they do, that's when I feel like you start to see the offense really start to churn. I mean, the 49ers have had success like that, right, Stats? I mean, obviously you want to do better than that. And thanks, uh, David, for putting the question in. Um, like, you know, the 49ers have, have been able to have success with lesser quarterbacks, one would argue, because Kyle, that's kind of the Kyle Shanahan's system, right? Like he's not asking them to to do everything to, like, to make – to carry the offense. 
And I think there's, look, I think there's absolutely value to doing things out of structure. I mean, look at Mahomes. But, you know, not everyone is going to be Patrick Mahomes. And I don't want just – I'm not, like, trying to find, like, Chad Pennington here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I always <laughs> think of him when I think about accuracy. Like, I felt like everyone always talked about that with him. He didn't have, like, the greatest arm necessarily, but he could put the ball where it needed to be. Like, I'm not trying to, to just find that. Um, but I, I mean, it's something, it can't be something you just gloss over is my point. Like you can't be so focused on like playmaking ability, for example. Um, and, and like trying to base an offense around a guy's mobility, which I think again, are great values to have. And, and you see that with Josh Allen, you see that with Lamar Jackson, like there's, there's, there's value in those things. Like at the end of the day, and and maybe it's just when I saw Tom Brady in training camp live, and that really just changed my life when I just saw him <laughs> throw pass over pass where it needed to be every single time. I was like, I, I get it now. I get why this guy is so good. Like, going into that training camp practice, I was just like, yeah, it's Tom Brady, whatever. He's really good. Um, but then I saw it, and I was like, man, like, it's just the accuracy is huge. It's such a big deal. And um, so that's where I'm at. I, I, I'm obsessed with it, maybe to a fault, but that's where my mind is. No, I don't think you are obsessed with it. Like, it's this just in. It's kind of important. Like, Kyle Shanahan gets all this love for being an amazing play caller and scheming guys open, and he is and he does, for sure. But there are a lot of coaches in the league that call good plays and can get guys open. But the thing is, you've got to be able to hit those guys on those plays consistently if you're going to be a viable starting quarterback in the NFL. And that speaks to the accuracy that you're talking about. The other stuff, the arm strength, the off-schedule plays, that's awesome, and you absolutely need it. But you don't – that's not your offense. You go to those things and rely on those things when the, the plays that have been called don't work. Somebody – your right tackle gets beat, your receiver falls down, something like that. That's when you pull that out of your bag of tricks. But most of the time, as long as you don't have a horrible play caller – your offense is going to need to function on time as the plays are called. And if you can't execute that, if you could only execute outside of structure, you're going to struggle. I feel like uh, it's, it's very basic stats, but like we said, just throw the ball where it needs to be. You know, this is a really good podcasting. This is really good. You know, it's just like, I think a quarterback should put the ball where it needs to be. Yes, I, we all agree. Um, stats, we're, in, we're at minute like 55 of this. Do you have anything else we need to touch on here? Uh, that is it. I just want to say I am super excited because we are like two weeks when this podcast actually goes up. We're like two weeks away from the new league year. And I think it is going to be an off season like we have never seen before. I think stuff is going to happen where guys are going to go end up with teams and you're going to be like, what? It's going to be one of those. Every time you get that little chime on your phone, something can happen that you never saw coming. And when that can happen with, multiple quarterbacks like we've seen with any team it's just going to be incredibly fun and for you and me blg i think business is going to be good we're kind of in the quiet before the storm right now because there's no combine as we talked about last week so we're not seeing the same volume of rumors i i do something quite often stats where i look back at what I wrote on a given day on BGN at the same day the last year, kind of just mm-hmm. to like get a sense of like, all right, what's going on? Is there a, kind of like a yearly article series I might do that like, I, I forgot about and I want to keep, do again? Or, yep. or just it's just kind of fun to revisit where you were at a year ago. And there are like so many rumors around this time last year, just with the Eagles, for example, who were involved in like – uh, the Byron Jones sweepstakes and uh, Chris Harris and whatever. Like there's just a bunch of rumors out there around this time. 
And those obviously aren't going to be here for the Eagles as much this year because of their dire cap situation. Um, but even just league-wide, too, like it felt like there wasn't really a ton going on today until we got the J.J. Watt news and then Alex Smith. But even those things are kind of like, okay, like that's nice, whatever. But that's not the real – it's not like the real meat and potatoes we're all after. No, we want to see what happens with Russ. We want to see what happens with Deshaun. We want to see what happens with Dak. Like all the big, big dominoes are still yet to fall into place. And that's why when the new league year begins in a couple of weeks here – on March 17th, and obviously the tampering will happen, what, a couple of days, three days or so before that. So oh, the tampering's happening now. <laughs> Forget oh, that. It oh, is yes. happening now in full effect. The, the So, uh, what's the word? So s- silly is a nice way to put it. Uh, the phrase legal tampering, which is just, you know, a, a, a ridiculous phrase. Um, that will be happening, I guess, on the 14th. But you, as you're right, I mean, the, the real action's going on right now. Uh, I hope we see more soon. We'll have more to talk about. It'll be fun. Uh, by the way, if you are not joining us on the uh, Locker Room app, that's okay. We love the podcast listeners as well. We just want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We really do appreciate it. They really do help. Uh, if you have a question for us or a comment, leave it in the review. I promise you we will read it. We will read it on the show, especially if you make fun of one of the other hosts. I am definitely here for that. We appreciate it. Uh, this was fun. We'll you know, try to do this in the future. Obviously, I have one of these locker room chats going on tomorrow. Stats uh, Eagles version for all your Eagles questions and whatnot on Bleeding Green Nation. That'll be at 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday night. So join that again here on the app uh, if you're listening right now or if you're listening to replay. But either way, as Stats said, we appreciate you guys. Thanks, everybody. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.